Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to all of our listeners and all of our viewers. And assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh to my guest and really old friend, Maulana Imran Salam. How are you, Imran? Alaikum salam warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. Alhamdulillah, I'm doing very well. And it's an honor to be on my very old friend and, uh, you know, like big brother, you know, Hafiz Asad Patel. <laughs> alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. So yeah, me and Imran, we go, we go way back. Alhamdulillah. Um, I was actually not friends with him at first. I was friends with his father first. Uh, you know, then, then his dad introduced me to him, and we became friends. But uh, Imran, mashallah, is a is a hafiz of Quran. We studied hafiz together. Uh, he, mashallah, afterwards he went on. He did alim course in Azadwell, South Africa. Then, mashallah, he's been in Chicago. He's teaching alim course and he's teaching tahfiz al Quran. And you know it's it's been a long journey for Imran seeking knowledge. Alhamdulillah, from the from the pine trees, not pine trees. What do you guys have? Palm trees down in Hollywood, Florida, and then you know going to South Africa. Spending, now he's in Chicago. Alhamdulillah, teaching. But you know Imran was always like a, a younger brother to me, and you know he always you know looked up to me, and he had weird names. I'm not gonna say out here, you know, for me. And, you know people people would think we're like we're brothers we didn't look nothing alike but they think we're brothers because we were so close and you know there was there was no reason if you saw two people like us in the somewhere to be like so close but it was just the love of the quran that brought us so close together so imran is there anything else you'd like to tell us about yourself um alhamdulillah i mean uh i think you covered everything i see um it's uh <laughs> So, so tonight uh, we're going to be discussing, uh, so, so I told Imran, chill out, this is the first time Imran's doing some sort of live programming, but inshallah Imran's going to continue to make time and come on this podcast, because like I said, this podcast is like Imran's podcast, you know, it's like, you know, it's like no big deal. So what we're going to be talking about tonight is we're going to be having a discussion about Ramadan, and Ramadan is right, you know, right here, there's less than two weeks left how how one should mentally prepare themselves and we're going to share some personal experiences how we do it ourselves and how one should prepare themselves physically spiritually so on and so forth in preparation for ramzan and then you know what what is the purpose of ramzan for us and what to do after the month of ramadan so you know so on and so forth it's just going to be a very casual and short discussion we're not going to try to drag it or make it long but imran let me i'm just going to ask you a very very normal question you have 10 or 12 days before Ramzan left. Do you are you leaving Taraweeh this year? Yes, inshallah. Okay. So I'll be inshallah, leading back in Florida. He'll be leading back in Florida. So what do you as a as a Hafiz of Quran, what how do you prepare, you know, how how far beforehand do you start preparing for your Taraweeh? Um so Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. I guess everyone is uh, definitely different, right? Uh, it depends on how strong someone's Quran is. Myself personally, I'm quite busy throughout the year, but um, I don't get so much time to revise throughout the year. And even now, I, I don't have so much time to revise. What I do is I revise when it's Ramadan. <laughs> and so, uh, like, someone might think that my Quran is strong, which is not the case, but I would, I would say the biggest help that I have is um, the recall is very, very strong. The actual memorization might not be strong, but the recall is very strong because, alhamdulillah, I think uh, all these years, you know, it's just sort of set in more. And yeah. uh, I know Arabic now, 
So the Arabic really, really helps. I see. Um, so, yeah. So what about what about like general preparation? This is about Tarawi. What about general preparation for Ramadan? What kind of a mindset do you set up that Ramadan is coming? How do I want to spend this Ramadan? What do I want to do more of? How do you how do you get that mindset? What what are your thoughts on this? So, uh, every everyone knows that you know two people if they're if if they're driving around, for example, and they one person knows where he's going and another person doesn't know where he's going. Uh, the person who who has a goal set up, he'll definitely be more efficient in terms of gas or in terms of time or in terms of distance uh, versus the person who doesn't know where he's going. So I would say the, the biggest thing that would help a person, anyone, myself included, first and foremost, is to just set some goals for Ramadan because each person is different. Some person maybe he is already pious and he already does good deeds and everything. And another person, he might be sort of half and half, you know, he commits some sins, but he'll stop for Ramadan and then he might continue after Ramadan. Allahumma fadna, may Allah protect us. And then some people, whether Ramadan comes or goes, they don't really care, right? So if you if you have a plan from beforehand, if you have goals, then you won't be wander. You won't just uh, be window shopping during Ramadan. Oh, I'm just going to increase here a little bit. I'm just going to read some more Quran here and there. So it's, I think it's very important to set goals uh, real practical goals. Like if I don't know how to read Quran, I have 30 days to learn how to read Quran. You know, things like that. I see. That's um, that's good. So so as you said, if you're a Sharif Banda, it might be easier than, you know, if you're a Badmash Banda. This is a term we used to use back in the Sharif Banda. But, uh, but Alhamdulillah, that's, that's, that's a very good point. And, and so for a lot of people, they try to do sort of this crash course during the course of Ramadan where they try to mash everything in. And and I don't I personally don't think that's a good that's a good strategy. I think there should be like a gradual increase in what you're trying to do. And after Ramadan, you should try to sustain it or even make it more so by the time next Ramadan comes around and you're alive, you're able to increase more rather than doing a crash course during Ramadan and burning out. What are your thoughts on that? Uh yeah, I, I definitely do agree. Uh you should take it gradually. Um as much as you can, like when, when some people, they have josh, right? And they have this just uh, extra energy and fervor to increase in their ibadat. So they pray the hajjud all night and whatnot. Um, I would say, uh, just to add on that, is that there should be some consistent small things that a person will have niyat and intention to continue after Ramadan. But at the same time, uh, he should or she should go crazy and just try to do everything that they possibly can because uh, that's is, is pretty much wholesale prices uh, on blessings and you can get rich in a month and but at the same time you still want to build a habit I would say I would say Ramadan is, is about habit building and preparing because Ramadan is sort of like a, a vacuum where a person he's protected from shaitan protected from temptations, he has fasting. So it's a, it's a very good training ground where there's no external factors trying to pressure him into sin. So he can build a habit, but at the same time, it's not it's not the actual battle, it's the training ground. Because after Ramadan is the real, is the real um, battle, so you want to prepare as much as you can. Um, yeah, 
more or less. So I would say build a habit. Like if a person doesn't pray five times a day, then you should start praying five times a day during Ramadan. It's not much. It's the bare minimum. But you should be able to quantify your progress. Like, okay, last year I was here during Ramadan. This year I'm here. Now I'm doing something extra. While at the same time praying Nafal and reading Quran the whole day. SubhanAllah, um, SubhanAllah. That's, that's very good. And and another thing about it is... uh. We we're very judgmental a lot of times. Um, it seems as though most times, especially in the social media era, somebody will post something on Facebook or Instagram, and we'll see it and we'll be judgmental. And uh, social media has uh, increased judgmentalism so much more. Uh, we we should try to be much less judgmental, especially in Ramadan. That if somebody is Alhamdulillah, that throughout the course of the year they do all the badmashi possible, they do all the wrong things. If this person is coming to the masjid in the month of Ramadan, we shouldn't look down upon them. We shouldn't be judgmental towards them. We should rather look at them that maybe this is the time that they turn the leaf and they're not going to turn back over. But a lot of times what happens is we see somebody we're like, oh yeah, this is only a Ramzan phase or this is only a Ramzan Muslim. I actually read that today. But we should think that maybe this isn't just a one-time thing. Maybe this is it for them. And we should be supportive of them. And a lot of times people aren't really supportive of somebody turning a leaf because I, I think it's this fear of maybe that person will end up becoming better than me. And and have you seen this before? Like where people are like judgmental towards somebody who's trying to do something good. Uh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I agree with you 100%, 100%. Uh, it's, it's definitely a marad and a sickness that's within our community. It's the holier than thou. But at, at the same time, at the same time, because the, the judgment card is sort of used by both sides, right? Yeah. So uh, the same way we follow the advice, right? The I, I, get, I would say like the normal musallis and everything, we should follow the advice that don't judge other people who are occasionally coming to the masjid, the Ramadan Muslims or Eid Muslims, the same way, like nasiha for everyone, right? Adinu nasiha, right? Just, yeah. uh, the, I would say like the same way a wife shouldn't look at the hadith which tell her what the husband's supposed to do and a husband's not supposed to only look at the hadith, you know, about, you know, what the wife is supposed to do. So for this judgmental thing, the people, both sides should understand that if, if I'm using the judgmental card, the, the judgment card, so I don't judge a person, right, that's fair and good. But if, if a person is saying don't judge because he wants to get away with some sort of haram or she wants to get away with some sort of haram, then obviously that, that too is not correct, right? Um, if that person is using the don't judge card so that you know, he, he's using it as a scapegoat so he doesn't have to come or she doesn't have to come to the masjid for the rest of the 12 months. That's also not correct, right? We want to be honest with ourselves and uh, we want to reform. Uh, we we do as much as we can. Like some people, like Ramadan is hard. Ramadan is not easy, right? So it's like, okay, I'm fasting the entire day, which is already difficult. Like, especially if you're in Florida or something, maybe the hours are long, right? And you're fasting the whole day, you're working the whole day, and then at night you have taraweeh also. So then some some people who are like who are not used to it, they're they're going to think like, man, this is really hard, right? And so we should obviously support them. Uh, so one of the one of the I guess you can say um, wisdoms behind it, or the way one alim was explaining, one of my teachers, he was saying that uh, when a person is crooked, and we're all crooked at the end of the day, Allah Mahdina Sirat al Mustaqim, you know straight path 
podcast, right? So then, uh, so Allah subhanahu like when something is crooked, like if you have a page of a book that's bent on one side, you sort of have to bend it all the way over on the other side so it can get back to equilibrium. Yeah. Or like braces, when the teeth are crooked, you have to sort of pull it the other way to the other extreme. It's not normal, which is not the norm. It's Ramadan, right, which is not every month. But it, it yeah. sort of brings you back to yeah. thing. And I think we all need that to a certain degree. So we can't really judge each other because none of us are at that level. You know, we need all the help we can get from everyone we can get. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's uh that's mashallah <laughs> from little Imran, you know, mashallah Imran so big now. It's you know, you know whenever anybody sees you like they see my son, my son mashallah is about a little bit older than three now. Like, oh my god, he's so big. It's like, yeah, he's not gonna get smaller. He's only gonna get bigger. But alhamdulillah, um, that's some good advice from you that, you know, the judgment card, we shouldn't play it all the time. A lot of times it's played like, you know, it's literally like one of the cards out of a deck. Like, oh, okay, I'm going to play the judgment card today. Or I'm not going to do something because somebody may judge me. So it's Ramadan is such a time that we're supposed to get the most out of it, like you said. And, you know, a lot of, like you said, you know, it's not like you shouldn't try your best or you shouldn't try your most. You should. But a lot of times people they get maybe they get lazy so on and so forth during the course of ramzan and we should try to encourage people especially during the course of ramzan that look you're doing good don't give up and if you see somebody that they're having a hard time and they're a close friend of yours maybe or they're a family member of yours who you can speak with let them know like you know you're doing really great keep on pushing through that uh, today i saw somebody there there's a brother he's a very good brother He's in Atlanta and they're doing this project where they're trying to go to the masjid every day for Fajr and they're trying to go to different, different masajid. And uh, he's, what's it called? I was talking with him and he converted to Islam a few years ago. And uh, I was talking with him and I was, I was like, mashallah, you know, I really love the effort you're doing and it's really pushing me as well. I think like, there used to be a time when I used to go every single day for Fajr to the masjid without messing. And now I was like, I have a hard time going to the masjid for Fajr. So I was like, you're really encouraging me. So, you shouldn't look down upon anybody regardless of what status they're at or what they're doing. You don't know. Tomorrow they may be much, much better than you and you may be the one who should learn from them. So I'm I'm learning and looking at other people. I'm like, like this brother, he's a convert to Islam and he's doing so much better than me. And there's people who have been Muslims their whole life and they may have never been to Fajr in their life before. And this guy's working harder than them and it's so impressive. So... What is what is one thing that you do in Ramadan that you don't do any other time of the year that you personally, I'm not talking about Taravi, just in general, Ibadat-wise, what do you try to do? What is one thing you try to do more? Uh, in Ramadan, personally, for myself, is is Quran, just Quran. Like no, no, like, you know, academic research, no, uh, I might prepare for a bayan here and there, but it's just Quran, the whole, that always really helps. And it's a great big nirma. Like I know it's, it's very difficult for a lot of hafaz and it's a lot of stress, but it's the way I see it is, it's an excuse for me to read Quran pretty much. So this year is going to be interesting because I'll be teaching because I'm teaching hifs, like yeah. hifs prep. So then I'll be teaching Quran from the morning. And then I think it's going to be 10 to five or whatnot in Florida. So I'm gonna to have to do my door before that. So inshallah, this year the whole whole day should be dedicated to Quran. 
and then Quran at night, and then Qiyam al-Layl. And inshallah, it's going to be a fun year. I never did this before. I see, subhanAllah. Is, you, is your younger, younger brother also becoming Hafiz? Yeah, inshallah. I think he should finish this Ramadan, inshallah. SubhanAllah. He's going to finish? Huh? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I mean, it's COVID. It's COVID. He's going to have to do a lot of revision, but wow. um, hopefully, so, so inshallah. How, how old is he now? I think he's 13. 13. 13? Wow, mashallah. He's become Hafiz. So you're going to, uh, what's it called? You're going to be getting to listen to him too, I guess. So that's that's Inshallah, yeah. that's that's impressive, but uh, but wow, it's just it, it just it made my mind crash thinking that your younger brother's happens now. <laughs> it's just crazy. But what's it called? So how is how is teaching going right now with COVID? It's I know it's much different. How are you? What are you going to do during the course of Ramadan teaching online? Uh, how, what are you telling the students? Are you guys only revising for them, or are they going to be learning new sabak as well? Uh, for them, because this entire year, subhanAllah, it was it was very different. The majority of the year, we spent teaching online. So this this is no different. I mean, it's, we're just going to continue the way we were going, right? And and myself personally, I'm not teaching hips. I'm teaching oh, okay. more like the tajweed and the qaida oh. and the nazira and whatnot. Oh, okay. So then for them, it's fine. They just okay. carry on. They don't have okay, to, that's good. Yeah. That's good. But what's it called? So uh, earlier today we had a program. Uh, what's it called? Mufti Muhammad Jafri and there was a Sheikh Yusuf Rasul. They were discussing a few things and they were talking about one thing, which was many people because they have jobs. And this was a very good point. And I really loved it. And I'm gonna bring it up on this podcast as well. Um, Sheikh Yusuf he was talking about the fact that a lot of people they have jobs and they have to go to work. They have no option. They can't be like, well, I'm not gonna go to work today. They have no option. They don't have like a huge net. They're regular workers, uh, working class families, and they have to work. And they really hate the fact that they can't get as much out of Ramzan as they can as maybe some businessman who does well or somebody who's, you know, a CEO of a company or something like that. They can't get that much time. They're like, it's okay. Do the best you can and do the most you can. Don't be like, oh, I can't, you know, I can't do this or I can't do that or I won't be able to make as much, you know, uh, what's it called? Taraweeh or I won't be able to do as much Qiyam al-Layl. They said, look, it's okay, but don't get don't but don't get lazy. Try to achieve the most you can out of whatever time you have. And you know, and for many Hufaz, I know that uh that they they work during the daytime as well. Like certain people they have jobs and at night they lead taraweeh and uh some and, and they may make mistakes. And I'm I'm a person who makes alhamdulillah decent bit of mistakes when I lead taraweeh. It's you know, for me it's more of a mental thing. Um but you know, I'll, when I'm reading, when I'm doing my door. During the daytime, I'll have no mistakes. When I get up in the musalla, you know, mashallah, all the all the doors and mistakes open up. But you know, but we shouldn't be so hard on people, and we should encourage them to try harder. Because when we're hard on somebody who's trying, you're gonna push them further away. Like it's with kids. If you have kids and they're trying to learn the alphabets, and instead of encouraging them to do better, you're like, oh, you're doing horrible. You're not learning anything. You've been doing this for so long. The kid's going to get demoralized. So in Ramadan, if you're doing good, if you're, if you're able to lead, uh, read a lot of, you know, if you're able to read all the 20 taraweeh, you're able to do the three rakat with after that, you're able to do tahajjud all night, you're reading Quran after that, you stay up till Fajr, and after Fajr, you do Qalula for, not Qalula, uh, after, you know, Sahri and Fajr, you do a nap for like three hours, and you go to work, and you're able to do it like that. If somebody's not able to maintain or meet whatever you're doing, 
don't look down upon them and don't make them feel bad. Like you haven't done anything this Ramzan. Because <laughs> you're not encouraging them. Like I know I've used this the past few weeks, uh, this hadith, but I'm not going to use the hadith. But just the Prophet ﷺ, whenever he saw a sahabi and they would come to him to ask him to do even a sin, the Prophet ﷺ would never admonish them. He would never admonish them, our beloved Prophet. He would always encourage them if it's a sin to stay away from the sin. A sin is something that if you told somebody that you want to go, you want to go do a sin to somebody in today's era, they would admonish you and they would humiliate you so much, you would feel like, man, I must be like the most sinful person on this earth. But and when it came time for hasanat, when it came time for good, that you know, earning the good deeds, the Prophet would enumerate the good deeds so much that everybody would want to drop everything and do good. So just learning from his example would be good for all of us. We all want to be the best Muslims, but we don't want to be the best followers of the Prophet So that's, you know, I feel like that's a problem where people are trying to connect Islam together, but they're not taking the most essential element, which is the life of the Prophet And, you know, they're trying to teach people Islam without teaching them the way of the Prophet. And and I, I think it becomes a huge problem. And and mashallah, you've, you've come a long way. You've studied many years. You've become a alim. And you're teaching now. And how how do you, when, when a kid doesn't learn a lesson, the kid is trying. You see the kid is trying. It's an honest, earnest kid who tries. And the kid can't, you know, learn the lesson or he's struggling that day. And you you and I, we've both had problems like this before with Qadi Sab as well, where maybe we weren't able to learn the lesson. How do you explain to a kid that it's okay? Today may be a hard day for you. You'll do better tomorrow. What is your approach? Honestly, I have to be very honest with myself, first and foremost, is, uh, I mean, we can only blame so much on COVID, right? Yeah. And then after COVID, it's like how people in Ramadan, they, you know, you, you commit sins still, and you can only blame so much on shaitan, but then you come face to face with yourself and your nafs. Yeah. So I personally, I have to follow this advice first, but. I, I am a bit harsh with my students, right? And yeah, so honest surprisingly, <laughs> yeah, I I think I think the Qari Sab Mizaj, uh, the Manhaj, I I think I lean more towards that. But like I said, it, it could be just the pent up frustration from COVID, and um, <laughs> uh, no, definitely the first the first few times I I'm very gentle. Yeah. Right, but if a if a kid makes um, like a marked mistake twenty times, then I have yeah. to get a bit. No, I have to get a bit serious. Understandable. Yeah. I'm talking about like the kid's doing fine for like three weeks, and one day he has a hard time. Oh no no no! Yeah, then then it's like no man, you're you're good. You already passed. So no, when, I'm not talking about a kid. Who's, a kid... I'm not talking about a kid who's not coming <laughs> up and prepared every day. <laughs> Yeah, so I think I think the COVID has a lot to do with it. But yeah. if you see if you see a kid if if a kid's not in my class, then I yeah. do try to encourage them. Always, yeah. um, you know, it's the it's the my my principal Mufti Minhajuddin Saab. He always used to tell us that you know the power of a word, and he used to tell us this funny story about um, he studied a book in Farsi, and inside that book there was a story about a king who saw a dream that all this teeth fell out so he was explaining this to me just the other day right and 
he called his dream interpreters and then he said, uh, interpret. So the moral of the story is, you know, the power of words. And so he called the dream interpreter and the dream interpreter, he asked him, what's the interpretation of the dream? So the person said, oh, you know, because all of the teeth fell out, uh, that means all of your relatives are going to die. All your family members are going to die. So then the king was like, you know, what, what's going on? What's going on? So he had the person executed. So, <laughs> and then he called. So then this other dream interpreter, he called another dream interpreter. And just, just the way he framed it and presented it, this dream interpreter, he said that, oh, you know, glorious, you know, your majesty, your dream means that um, you will be, you will outlive your entire, you know, generation and you will wow. be the last sole remaining survivor. So it's the same thing, right? But he, he presented it in such a nice way, um, very diplomatic way, very with wisdom and hikmah. So I think, I think uh, it could be the same message could be given across to the students. And it's something I'm still working on personally. I have to be honest to myself. I'm not the best at it, but I mean, you're a learning teacher. Yeah. But alhamdulillah, you know, it's uh, it's a journey, and uh, we can't we can't figure things out on the first day. If we figured out things out on the first day, our ego would get so swollen up. We just think we're we're everything. So you know, it's a, it's a learning process. We make a lot of mistakes along the way. Even if you have a job, you make a lot of mistakes at first, and that's how you learn. Some jobs they have tolerance for mistakes, and some jobs they don't have any tolerance for mistakes. It just depends on you know, I guess your boss, and then your boss will also have a lot of influence on you. Similarly, as our teacher, you know, uh, our teachers have had influence on us and how we interact if we're teaching Quran or whatever we're doing. It does have a huge influence on us. And similarly, the masajids we go to, especially over the course of Ramadan, the masajids we go to how everything is done in that masjid, it makes a huge influence or it, you know, changes how you are. Like if you go to a masjid where they have iftars every single day and then you end up in a city where there's no iftars at all, they say, no, we're not going to do any iftars at all in our masjid. We're going to let everybody focus on their, you know, personal, you know, their self. And you'll be like, oh, this doesn't make any sense. Everybody used to come and enjoy iftar and there's so much hasanat and this. But then if you come from that community where they don't have iftars and you go to the community where they have iftars, the person is going to be like, these guys are wasting wasting so much time. They're wasting an hour and a half in between Maghrib and Isha. Iftar only takes seven minutes. After seven minutes, I can read Quran for an hour and a half. So it's just the different perspectives of how you look at it. Like we were from a community where iftari is not a normal thing, that it didn't happen. And now, you know, they do it. And for me, a person, you know, obviously who has to lead tarawih, iftari is like a real... It's a real obstacle. I don't like iftaris at masjids because it takes away an hour and a half from, you know, doing door, from, you know, studying, from making your, maybe your part that you're reading tonight stronger. So it, it becomes really difficult. So it just, I feel like a lot of things in Ramzan, they also come from the community you come from, that how your perspective is going to be set up. That if you, for example, if you stayed like somewhere in Dioband or something like that during the course of Ramzan and you came to America for Ramzan, you'd be like, what are these guys wasting all their time for? So that that does play a huge part in our in our mindsets that how we see things and how we perceive things. Uh, so this this Ramzan, obviously, you're going back to... When are you going back to Florida? Are you going back a few days before Ramzan or are you leaving in a few days? I think uh, the 11th. The 11th, 11th, okay. is you're, 11th. You're literally getting to Florida right before Ramzan starts. 
So yeah. what's so what's it called? When so have you already made your plan, or you're still making your plans for Ramzan? Like how you're gonna spend your whole month? Um, for I mean, I think for a lot of hofas, it's the same thing. Iftar is just like a date, some water, and then just <laughs> try to. <laughs> you know what? You want to make sure your wudu doesn't break during Taravi. That's all. <laughs> and uh, after Taravi, you just have a feast. So I then, do. no. Sometimes when you eat too much, um, you get cramps and everything. So it's yeah, it's it's a lot. But I understand. I I loved. I personally, I come from a masjid that has the iftari. Yeah. Right, so I love the whole, you know, everybody. Some people they come to the masjid because of that, right? And yeah. that's like maqsad hasil, you know. Yeah. You're in the masjid, you're praying maghrib salam jamaat. Then, like for them, it's good. And then for me, I just, you know, please, please let me do my thing. <laughs> uh, mashallah, Imran comes from a, a, a Bengali household, um, but Imran. Refuses to eat Bengali food. He only eats uh, dal and roti. He's a very, you know, he's a very pious man. <laughs> but it's a, you know, but in Ramzan, dal roti creates a problem. Dal causes a lot of issues for Tarabi time. But but for me, but for me, iftari is basically eating. But you know, we have salah ten minutes after, so we we open our we break our fast at home, and then we'll eat for three minutes, and that's basically all I eat. That's all I eat. I don't even eat after Taravi. That's never been my habit. I don't like eating after Taravi. So those three minutes or four minutes I eat, that's it. I don't eat after Maghrib or anything. I may eat like one egg roll or samosa or something and that's it. But that's all I eat. Generally, in Ramadan, I end up losing, alhamdulillah, I hope I also this year is the same. I generally end up losing between 12 to 15 pounds in Ramadan. So, you know, and, and a few years, a few years actually went to the gym, so I lost even more. I lost close to 20 pounds. But what's it called? But, you know, inshallah, that's the goal this year as well is, you know, to lose a few extra pounds like for a lot of people in ramzan they actually end up gaining weight because they eat so much <laughs> so yeah so, that's i'm not gonna say i'm not gonna say anything about that but i don't think you should be gaining weight in ramzan maybe keeping it the same as you were the whole time but not gaining weight uh but mashallah imran you know he 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 doesn't gain any weight anyway he has a good metabolism right alhamdulillah alhamdulillah He's like, he's like, yeah, I still do. I still do. So Imran, he recently traveled to South Africa. And mashallah, he got married. How was your trip to South Africa? Alhamdulillah, it was, it was very nice, very amazing. Um, definitely the whole aspect of the marriage and uh, being with my wife, alhamdulillah, that's there. And I make a lot of sugar to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes everything easy for the paperwork and whatnot. Um, I also got to visit my uh, asatiza. Uh, and I got to visit uh, Darla Mazadville and meet all my teachers, most of my teachers. Some of them I couldn't meet. Um, okay. A lot of them passed away, actually. Mm. Uh, not a lot, but mm. quite a few passed away since the last time I visited in 2018. So oh, it was, I, I got to, yeah, and I got to visit their graves, alhamdulillah, pay, pay my respects and make to offer them and just keep in touch with the other asatada. So, it was, it was a very humbling experience and they're so they're so welcoming and they're so um subhanallah they're they're amazing people and everything was was great from the wedding aspect as well south africa spiritually speaking is a very very spiritual place for any muslim to go to yes definitely i mean there's so many ulama i mean if you if you go only with the niya of visiting ulama then you'll you'll run out of time Literally, that's how many gems there are in South Africa. 
Mashallah, something to see. Plus all the tourist destinations and everything. I would say out of everywhere in the world, South Africa probably has the best food because uh, everything's halal and it's certified and uh, they have these amazing barbecues that they call bris. So yeah. it's, it's absolutely amazing. Yeah. So so next time Imran is going to come and tell us why everything in America is almost haram. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you can get Mufti Abdullah for that. Mufti Abdullah uh, Nana but we'll see. We'll see who we can get inshallah for that to tell us why everything in America is nearly haram. But but that's one of the amazing things about South Africa. Who what I hear from everybody is the abundance of halal food and how it's. I feel like what ninety nine point nine percent of a certified halal. Yeah, um, they have the pretty much Mufti Abdullah Nanasab, his his organization Hafsa. Yeah. It's uh, based off of their one of the organizations in South Africa called Sanha. Oh, so. Okay. Um, he he got it from there and then he imported it to the US alhamdulillah and in chicago i mean chicago is there's loads of restaurants yeah chicago there is certified yeah, yeah yeah california the bay area so we we are chilling in chicago alhamdulillah we are blessed you have it you have it easy in chicago alhamdulillah uh it feels weird calling him Imran. Imran. You've always been Imran, but what's it called? No, um, please just call me Imran. <laughs> yeah, he even, he even wrote his you know name for the display as Imran. He's Imran with an E, not with an I, uh, as everybody generally is. Imran likes to stand out. So, Imran, do you have any <laughs> parting wisdom for the viewers and listeners? Um, I would uh, parting wisdom. I would say after sort of surveying all of the stories because it was a Ramadan discussion so I, I was reading up on a few stories of the pious uh, of our Salaf al-Salihin and uh, I, obviously I'm not mentioning like any of them in particular but after sort of reading everything and getting a, a common factor between all of them during Ramadan was um, they, they were very careful about their time like you read some, they had a whole schedule laid out with the dhikr and tilawa and Imam Shafir and Imam Hanifa, they both finished like 60 khatams. And I'm like, oh my God, I can barely finish a khatam during Ramadan. How are they doing 60 khatams? That means two khatams a day. You read ajib things like that. And the only way um, that can happen is definitely self-discipline and managing your time, wisely making a proper schedule. Uh, the the elders used to prepare for Ramadan well in advance before even Ramadan. Like Nabi Sallallahu used to prepare by fasting. Rajab Sharban Sallallahu uh, So I would say I would say one one piece of advice is to just manage our time as much as we can. Definitely we we get busy and you know we have to go through life, but whatever extra we can give, like you were mentioning earlier, I mean just try your best, do your best. And the second thing. Um, I want to say is during Ramadan, obviously you you want to you want to pay attention to the nawafil, like you have your Quran and your Athkar and Taraweeh and Qiyamul Layl. Uh, but but we we end up some some might end up getting caught up in that, right? And we because of that we might ignore our fard, which is uh, extremely detrimental because. If you have, like Ulama give the example, if you have a person, an employee who has a particular job that he's supposed to do, maybe he's a cashier, 
And instead of being the cashier, he goes and starts cleaning the fan and wiping, mopping the floor and making the store all pretty. His boss is going to fire him because he's not doing what he's supposed to do. Uh, so the same way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala told us, you have to fast and you have to pray five times a day. So I would say for the person who's struggling to keep up with, I guess, the extra Quran and the Taraweeh and the Nafal and the Qiyam layl and everything, at least, at least, at least don't miss your Fard, right? Because Fard is, they say, you know, na danda na laddu. You know, if you're not going to get uh, an extra laddu, you won't get beat either by the danda, you know? So then at least, at least a person should uh, be particular about his five times daily salah and Ramadan is a perfect opportunity if a person's not in the habit to get into the habit of praying five times a day because I heard this from Sheikh Amin uh, we haven't been created except to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and if we ask pretty much what is worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it's what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has commanded us to do so we can we can sort of say that Allah didn't create us except to pray salah pretty much because that's that's fard. So the purpose of our existence is more or less salah. If you pray your salah, your fard salah, you do your psalm. Deed is simple, you know, you just gotta do your five pillars. Um, I think majority of the people uh, they do struggle with praying the salah. I would focus mostly on that. So time, time, and getting your fard right if it's not right at the moment. I would say those are the two most important things I would focus on. Okay. Alhamdulillah. Yeah. So that was a that was some very very basic but very important wisdom from Imran. That you know he he highlighted the most basic things, but if you become negligent towards the basic things, there's uh <laughs> it's bad for you if you're trying to do the extracurriculars if you're not taking care of the core subjects basically, right? Right. So he's you know he placed a lot of emphasis on the core subjects. So inshallah, all of us should take this advice not with a grain of salt with our mind and our hearts in connection, take this advice and put it to work so we can get the most out of this Ramadan because last Ramadan was a COVID Ramadan. This Ramadan is maybe a few, maybe masajid are open, but it's going to have a lot of similar elements. So we should try to get the most we can out of Ramadan. Some people, some people last year in Ramadan, they were like, Oh, we did great because of, you know, we were away from people and we had seclusion, our Iman went higher. And for a lot of people, they're like, we weren't able to go to the masjid, our Iman got lower. So this year, you're prepared because of last year. Don't give up and don't miss out on your chance. Take advantage of each and every opportunity you get. And this is a good talk by Maulana Imran Saab where he, we, we spent most of it in discussion, but at the end, this wisdom he gave, if you just take this wisdom and you apply it, your Ramadan will go much better. Jazakallah khair maulana. Inshallah, we'll look forward to you again. Me. No, no, no. Definitely. Problem. Anytime. Anytime. That was lots of fun. <laughs> <laughs> Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.